to episode 9, Cybersecurity 101 with Joe and Larry. Today, Larry and I are pleased to have on the show, Bob Schlofeld. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, it's Good my morning, pleasure Bob. to introduce you to uh, Larry Lishy. Hey, Bob. How's it going, man? Good, Good, Larry. And you? All right. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was just telling Larry how excited I am about this podcast. I've got pages of questions. <laughs> We're not going to be able to get to all of it, all these discussion topics. Okay. Um, but I'm super excited about this conversation. Um, if you if you don't mind, just uh, just to introduce yourself a little bit to our guests, tell them uh, a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Bob Schlofeld. I've been uh, in and around cybersecurity for 20 years or more, uh, and IT for more years than that. Um, started at the bottom years and years ago as a, as a mainframe computer operator. So I know the basics and then came up through the ranks. Uh, been involved in cybersecurity full-time uh, since the, uh, we'll just say the turn of the century, which makes us all sound pretty old. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, been a, it's been a good ride. I've been put into positions where you have to be very technical, um, many times very political. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a fun ride, but it's been a good journey and, uh, continuing that journey. I'm, I'm reaching toward the, the back end of my career. So, uh, uh, trying to share what I've learned along the way and, and, and continue to foster the relationships that I've, uh, I've gained along the way, including, uh, Joe Stocker here on the, on the call and, and just met Larry and, and looking forward to that relationship as well. So Bob, we're, we're so excited to have you on the show. Um, you've held just a number of, of pretty amazing positions at a lot of companies, a lot of different industries. You know, you, you've been a, a CISO at many organizations. Um, one organization, you know, it had over 100,000 users, you know, multi-billions of dollars in revenue. Uh, you've seen a, a lot of security events. You, you've managed through the storm many times through crisis, crisis management. Yes. You know, you, you've, you've managed people, you've hired people, you just have a wealth of experience. So there's just so many different ways we can go. But uh, since I have so many questions, we're going to kind of do lightning round a little bit um, just so we can get through a lot of the questions. Sure. And then Larry, if there's any question that really pops out to you that you want to double click on and go deep on, I want you to just jump in and, and uh, you know, go deeper with Bob on any question that you want to just tear into. How's that sound? Oh, that's, that sounds awesome. All right. So first question is, so Bob, you already mentioned you, you got into uh, basically the industry many years ago. Initially, it was mainframe. But what was it uh, that initially drew you to technology to begin with? And... Um, for someone who's just getting into IT, um, can you kind of looking back on how you got your break? Uh, was that a connection? Was it networking? Uh, what was it that allowed you to get into IT to you know way back when to begin with? Wow, that's going to date me a little bit, but uh, back to the mainframe days. I um, <laughs> was working for a, a large uh, savings and loan, which we don't have savings and loans anymore. Um, and their loan servicing department, and it's a small group of people, and the uh, the IT uh, data center was in the same building, and so I uh, got to know some of the guys that worked back in the data center, including the data center manager, uh, a guy named um, Larry Bullock, a uh, great guy. We got along well, uh, had some beers together, you know, played Pong together, which, okay, I'm really dating myself. Um, and then he approached me one day and says, hey, you ever have any interest in being a computer operator? Never thought about it. Never. My dad was in IT years ago, but never thought about going down that path. 
And so he interviewed me and, and hired me to be a mainframe, trained me to be a mainframe operator. Got it. I told him, so I said, for, I, so I, for I, you, it was kind of that, that uh, you had a connection with someone who got to know you personally correct. and then gave you an opportunity, a chance, right? So, yep. and, and you know, that's the hardest thing, right? For someone to break into IT or, or a new career, a new industry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes someone has to be willing to take a chance on you, right? I mean, well, that's, that's because you don't have a certification. You don't have prior experience. Nothing. You know, someone's just got to know you and go, you know what? I think this person can get it done, right? Correct. Um, have you ever have you ever seen someone and seen the potential in someone and given them a shot and and uh, you know if you look back on your career how did that work out? Uh, yeah, when I was uh, working for and I was already in security, I was working for a large engineering firm out in Pasadena. Um, there was a guy who was kind of um, a temporary guy that we brought in to the help desk to to you know basically answer the phone. That was it. You know, he was on the help desk. He'd answer phone and, and reroute the calls to the proper uh, technician or whoever was going to help with that. And I, <clears throat> I saw that John, he had a good, um, good head on his shoulders, and he, and he was hungry. He wanted to, you know, I could see he was trying to understand what he was talking about rather than just, you know, answering the phones. And so we pulled him aside and said, "Hey, John." And this is at a time when I was the um, data center operations manager, uh, so he was under my organization, small as it was. Uh, and pulled John aside and said, hey, we've got a position where we're trying to come up with a, a desktop technician kind of role. You know, all of us have, uh, we're, all of us have PCs on our desks uh, connected to the mainframe. Laptops were almost unheard of at the time. And we need somebody that can go around and just help people get set up and make sure they're connected right and hook up monitors and, you know, the drill, crawl under the desk and plug in cables and, and gave him that chance. Um, last I heard from John a couple of years ago, he's the director over an IT technical organization, has a team of about 60. And so it, it happens and it's just a matter of, right, you gotta, you know, if somebody can see you're, you're hungry and you're willing to learn and you can, you get that exposure, uh, sometimes you gotta do that grunt work. You're gonna be crawling under desks and pulling cables or, you know, he was part of a team. This is a fun story, anecdotal. We had a data center that was like so many I've seen in the past. That uh, was the under the subfloor was a mess, cables everywhere, not labeled right. And John was one of those guys that helped us come in on a weekend. Basically, hold on to your hats here, Joe. Pull every cable out and recable the whole data center so we knew where everything was going. And we had to put with the probably half the cables under there weren't being used. We got them out of there. I've actually done that a few times. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've held a few roles. I've actually done that a few times. Uh, uh, so I know, I know uh, what that takes. Uh, you got to be extremely diligent and everything to track everything. Um, do you think, you know, looking back on that? So he he basically got in kind of at the ground floor, had to do a lot of the ground work and everything. But um, Bob, is it possible for someone who um, has extremely strong leadership and management skill in another industry to transition directly into a leadership role in infosec or cyber. Have you ever seen that happen um, where, you know, maybe it was a COO or, or someone in a different role kind of become a CISO or is, is that possible or do you have to come up through the infosec, the traditional technical track? Do you kind of have to work your way up to, to just be a leader in infosec or cybersecurity? I would say no, because uh, I, I see that person every day when I look in the mirror. 
Okay. I uh, my first. Well, let's go ahead back and, and kind of roll up roll up to where I started and got to today. Been in IT, dot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, working for a, a large service provider. I was working for Pro Systems at the time. My role is data center operations manager. I had I was a PM, uh, so I had my PMP. I was doing projects for them, just basic, almost like business analyst type role. The um, the DC uh, ops director said, hey, we're, we've got an opening for an operations manager. We had two operations managers for the data center. One handled the day-to-day -day interaction with the DBAs, the sysadmins, the people touching the gear, uh, all the network gear. And then on the operational side was, we had data center operations projects, the help desk handling what we, what we called security at the time, which really was access control, physical access control, as well as the help desk and, and user access control. They needed somebody to manage that. So I got tagged to be the other operations manager. So I hadn't spent much time down in the weeds, you know, working, pulling cables, except for, you know, little sub projects and I was managing projects. So I was then put into an operations management role um, and had the underneath me the access control piece, which was my first real foyer into security. So it was access control, physical access control, user management uh, of a small shop. Uh, we ran 24 uh, seven. It was a firm that, that um, bought and sold the, uh, the electricity and energy for the state of California. Okay. Um, so Bob, when you're, uh, when you're hiring someone, you've been a hiring manager, you've, you've, you've interviewed dozens and dozens of people over the years. Um, what do you think it takes to be successful in security today? If someone hasn't ever done security and they're wondering, okay, uh, I, I wonder, do I have what it takes or, or what, what is it going to take to be successful? Um, looking back, what are, what are kind of the common attributes in someone, you know, if you look at all the successful people that have, you've ever hired, what were those kind of common attributes and therefore what do you look for when you hire someone? Uh, for me, it's a lot about personality. Uh, it's a lot about, is the person the kind of person that can think outside the box? Um, I got interviewed one time by a guy. Uh, he's a good friend of mine now. Uh, it kind of happens. I get people I work with, they become good friends. Um, he, he was asking questions about what kind of musical instrument I like to play. It had nothing to do with security, but what it did was it, it brought on what kind of mindset a person has just in their, in their own personal life, in their own... Um, how they carry themselves. So if you look around somebody's office or somebody's room, it's like, okay, they're into baseball or they're into music or they're into travel or, or whatever. Uh, what, what skills have they learned doing that that they can apply to security? Because in my mind, security is a lot of out of the box thinking. It's, it takes creativity. Yes, you're gonna see people say security is all about policies and standards and following a strict path of, of you know, of, of uh, performance and a strict path of, of, of compliance. Right. But then on the other hand, and Joe, you see this uh, in recent years, we'll, we'll say go back four or five years, the whole antivirus community got flipped on its ear when things started becoming polymorphic and not just signature based. And oh, yeah. Yeah. everybody's going crazy on how do I deal with this? And yeah. it took those companies that were out of the box thinkers as well as leaders and, and my security engineers and architects saying, yeah. All right, these traditional tools we have aren't working. They're, we're, we're seeing the signature, but sorry, but the, the barn door is already open and the cows are in the pasture. We're, it's too late. Yeah. Um, and so it's the out-of-the-box thinking 
and going back to my initial analogy, it's like, yeah, somebody learned to play a guitar by themselves. Um, my my son is one. He learned to play a guitar, but he had a, a issue with holding the guitar, so he learned to play it left-handed by himself. Okay. Okay. So out of the box thinking. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, you, you know, the other thing that can make an IT department incredibly successful is diversity, right? And and people coming from backgrounds, uh, you know, that bring different perspectives in a troubleshooting scenario and that sort of thing. Um, you know, Larry used to be a coach and uh, at a very successful level, he went all the way up to, to work in the Oakland uh, Raiders in the NFL. And so when you have someone who's in a, in a different area of life, accomplished so much and been so successful as a coach, as a leader and that sort of thing, I see great potential in Larry. That's one of the reasons I, I love kind of just working with him on this project and, and this podcast and everything is I know he's going to be incredibly successful. I just want to be part of a story to see, you know, okay. exactly, <laughs> like the NF. So, so but what is the NFL of cybersecurity? What is the top echelon? I've heard that there's CISO positions out there that are hiring at 600 to 800,000 per year mm -hmm. uh, because there's just so much raw demand for security right now. Um, what does it take to get to that elite echelon in InfoSec uh, upper management? One, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Uh, two, um, a lot of people are in a position where they have a, a vast amount of knowledge and experience. So start publishing is, is the key. Start, start putting yourself out, out there as, as uh, a valued opinion. You put yourself out there and it's networking. And so anybody out there who's looking for that kind of position, because I know of other CISOs who, who leave one position and they have five other offers before they you know, pack up their box and walk out the door because people know them out there and they want them. Um, there, there's network people. I know I've got a list of people uh, in my little personal, we'll call it Rolodex, that if I went into an organization and I needed to rebuild a team, and it happened to me once in my career, I got hired in and had to rebuild a team. I open up my Rolodex and I've got a dozen or so very skilled, very talented network and security professionals I can call and say, hey, I've got this position, I've got this team I'm trying to build, are you interested? And to my surprise sometimes and and humbling they say i don't care what the position is bob i, I want to come work for you again yeah wow yeah, i mean that says and so larry like in your case if you if you wanted to start a team or you're going to build another organization and you have other other coaches you've worked with said i don't care what team it is or where it's at but i want to go work with larry again yeah 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 i have i've i still get offers and to coach over overseas in Europe and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Bob, I have a question. Sure. So is it important to get your certificates or is it important? What's the most important thing? Can you just start off like the one guy just start off just as a regular it guy, you just pulling court cords. You're just doing the hardware part of it. And, and that's a great question, Larry. And, and it, it's going to, it's going to go into another, another path here, which, which we'll talk about. It's important at some point to get certifications because it shows that you've done the, the homework and you've done the, the book work. Okay. But uh, and, and I'm going to relate back to your career with with within football. Uh, I would say the same thing about baseball. I would rather have a person who's got five years experience getting drugged through the mud and, and going toe to toe with folks 
than somebody that has got six certificates and, and really hasn't seen the war, the war yet. Um, years ago, I had an interview, and, and I've, I've driven this through a few organizations. They'll put together a job description, and, and job descriptions you see anymore for, for security professionals, they want a unicorn. They want somebody that knows everything and has got certifications and a PhD. I had one that's actually, they, they, you know, PhD preferred. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> and... And organizations I've been with, they say, well, we want to make sure the person has a bachelor's degree. I said, what's that got to do with security? Really, what's it got to do with security? I was like, I would rather have somebody that's got five, six years experience than a degree and two years experience. Got it. So to me, um, and in sports, uh, and I love that you've got that background. It's going to be a lot more conversations later. Um, In sports and in security, it's more about the experience and what you've been through than it is the, um, you know, the education and certificate. I had a guy in my last organization, he had 14 different certifications around in and around security, the CISSP and all of them. He was very book smart. And and we've all run into people in our career that are very book smart, but you drop them into a situation and say, Hey, here's a, here's a server and we're going to install uh, the latest semantic uh, antivirus on it, and we need this rack stacked and put in the data center. And they look at you like you're, you, you know, you want them to do heart surgery. It's like, oh, wow, that's your job. That's, that's your job. It's something we, it's re- required for this job. So, oh. so Bob, um, what what information, um, you know, InfoSec uh, certifications do you think uh, Larry should be pursuing for that first entry level uh, role? Um, I got my CISSP and I stopped there. Um, and that was years ago. I've had, I've been uh, practicing CISSP now for since 2003. Um, so back then it was, it was like the, the crown jewel. Um, and I was again on the management side of the world. Um, I'd have to go look at that one, but I got a few of them that he talked about that are good. Um, my, I know that Microsoft has got some tools and some some certifications but, in their platforms. But, but to your point, I guess you're you're not necessarily hiring based on people certs. You're you're more you look at that experience, you look at their personality, their character, and then you you look to build on them and, and invest in them, right? Correct, correct. And it's it's one of those things where if you want to get your CISA or CISSP, uh, those are great. Um, they're they're again they're the ones that people look at like whoa that's a, took a lot of work. Uh, they've recrafted the CISSP a few years ago. Um, there's a lot of the SANS certificates around uh, security. SANS are very expensive. I mean, so if you got an organization that's going to pay for it, great, go for it. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, Bob. I was looking back at your resume, and, and uh, I actually got my CISSP within six months after you got yours. <laughs> now, let me ask you this question, and you can edit this out of the podcast. Please do. Did you pass the first time? I did, but it, I'll tell you what, I was so terrified of the exam that I studied for six months before I took it. And I read that there's this thick book. Yeah. I read it twice, carefully and slowly. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those exams that if you, if you read the book carefully and slowly and you have a lot of prior InfoSec experience, back then you could pass the exam. 
now I've heard it's different. I heard, you know, all that kind of stuff. But back then it was a number two pencil on a Scantron. Uh -huh. There's a proctor in the room. Mm -hmm. It was, it was uh, you know, incredibly intimidating. But um, um, I, I want to touch back on. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't pass the first time. Yeah. And, and you know, I've taken many certifications uh, in my career that I did not pass the first time. Uh, I had to take them over and over. And my advice to anyone taking certifications is now knowing everything I know, don't even study the first time you go in, go in and take it because there's a chance you could just pass. But more importantly, what you'll find is what's on the exam that you should study for. Correct. Absolutely. You'll, you'll gain more confidence. And now you've got the failure thing out of your mind. You've already failed. Now that's behind you. Now just go in and, and take next time. The, the amount of costs sometimes for these certs, 150 bucks. Think about your time being valuable. Yep. And, um, you know, the time that you'll save in studying things that you don't even need to worry about. Because now that you're taking the test, you know what to focus on. So I tell everybody, go and take that test right away. It doesn't matter if you fail. Just go and just take it. You might yeah. pass. But more importantly, you know what to study for. To one other question real okay. quick here is, um, if you think back on, on your overall uh, career, Bob, um, who had the biggest impact? Who was your mentor? Who did you go to um, for, for, for your career kind of growth and advice? Uh, back when I was with that large engineering firm, I was fortunate enough to work for a gentleman, um, and I don't know if we want names on here or not, Joe. He was our CTO. Um, and I was by title enterprise architect and information security officer only by default because the company didn't have one. And so they said, you do it. And that's where I started my, my training or my education is, is, is to take the CISSP. Uh, Joe has, has been a good mentor of mine over the years. Um, not as much uh, in the last few years because he's, uh, he's retired. Uh, but he was one where he had a lot of, he had spent 20 years at a previous company. We'd been in a lot of the same industries together. And so he was a good go-to for, for that kind of thing. I would say some of my other mentors along the way have been other, other CISOs, other security professionals. Um, yeah, you mentioned that Orange County community has been a good, yeah. good way for you to network there. Okay. Yeah. So and, it's, and, been, um, it's been good for that. So have you, have you ever hired an entry level role before like in your you know you've been in senior leadership positions in your security organizations have if you've ever built out a sock you know uh sometimes that sock one analyst you know just looking at all the alerts coming in um it, would you consider that an entry level role or 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 what would be a, a role uh roles that someone without prior security experience can get into what what are what types of positions are those uh, that someone can apply to? If you wanted to go straight into security, typically somebody in security has already been like a, a desktop technician or uh, sometimes help desk technicians or help desk uh, analysts are, are good because they see the flow of, of the, whatever the problems are. Um, a help desk person, uh, a desktop person. Um, yeah, I have hired into that. Uh, what We actually had a program at another organization where we had uh, a couple of college interns and um, the interns, you basically, you're giving them the grunt work. It's like, hey, we've got this, you know, long list of, of, of uh, 
uh, logs that we need to sift through. Um, they've already been boiled down with the SIM or whatever tool you're using. And so they start learning on how to pull the logs out and start looking at it and start looking for patterns, looking for, for different uh, um, anomalies within the log data. Uh, it's grunt work. It's, it's like you hand somebody something that's got, you know, 10,000 rows in a spreadsheet and you got to go start trying to sift through it or, or look through log data. Um, and it gives them good exposure. So I've hired a few people coming out of those kind of uh, scenarios where um, they just, again, it's, it's the hunger. They thrive for it. Right. And they start you know, looking for it. Larry, you've, you, you uh, are a U.S. Navy veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, you know, in some of those initial roles in the U.S. Navy, they don't necessarily give you the, the most glamorous roles first, right? You have to kind of work hard, do the grunt work, and work up, right? Yeah, you start mopping the floor first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, with I mean, with anything, even in sports, you don't start off as a starter. You gotta work your butt off and continue to work your butt off. So, yeah. so no, that that sounds that sounds about right. I think uh, help desk or <clears throat> that's that's I think that's probably or maybe support or something like that. Uh, Bob, another question for you. Knowing everything you know now, you know, in your career, you've been exposed to, and Larry and I love talking about the type of roles in security. You've yeah. got pen testers, you've got defensive folks, you've got SOC analysts, you've got all these types of roles. So knowing everything you know now about, you've been exposed to so much, right? Larry hasn't. Larry hasn't actually been exposed to all those different things. Um, knowing everything you know, what what focus in security if you could have start all over and start into it now, what path would you go into? If it's different than the path you took, what would be the first role that you'd probably dive into knowing everything you know now? Uh, and, and this is going to be a, a good one for you, Joe, because it's something that you got me into about, I don't know, two or three years ago when we started doing business when I was with a, um, that, that large firm. The data forensics and the ethical hacking side of the world, That's because normal. if you look at at think about what a hacker's got to do and so as a good security professional you have to put on that that mindset that okay if i was a hacker how would i do this right um when we started getting into the the depth of what office 365 and the uh, that firm of you know where we could go with doing the investigation we had a breach and we needed to dig deep into our our microsoft you know portfolio and our azure database and I had engineers and, and really smart um, infrastructure guys that could do this, but I said, no, I want to do this too. And as the leader in the site, so I was, I was going shoulder to shoulder with these guys. So ethical hacking, looking at, at where the data came from. So if you can get involved in that, because there's a lot of tools and stuff. I've never been a coder and I've told people, do you don't want me to write code? Not a good idea. I learned COBOL years ago, again, aging myself. Um, and so I would say getting into ethical hacking and from a, from an employment standpoint, we'll just leave it at that. An employment standpoint, get involved in something where you sometimes need to actually touch the gear. So from the network side, from a penetration testing, but more of, more of a, uh, um, compromise assessment kind of role where, uh, there's companies that come in, they'll put a little box on your network that sits between the outside and, and your inside and watches the traffic and being able to digest all that traffic, looking for, for beacon traffic. Uh, I've had organizations where they didn't realize that they had systems inside that were 
we're basically trying to phone home to third world countries that nobody should wow. be doing business with. And so getting involved in that, and it, again, I think, uh, and Joe, you remember Patrick from my previous organization. Um, I sent him to ethical hacking school. You know, I'm going to take you away from the fray for two weeks and send you. And it was a SANS class and we, we, we paid the money for it. And he's probably said that was probably the most valuable thing we could have done for him. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the Microsoft technical solutions uh, specialists in the field um, last year, they were told that they must pass the certified ethical hacker exam, yep. which is a non-Microsoft exam, but they wanted them to have credibility with customers. And so um, they're now, the, the, the three in Southern California that I work with are now all uh, certified ethical hackers. Larry is, is most excited about that part of, of yeah. security. So that's actually, I think, right? Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I want to get into the forensics and the forensic, the forensics part of it and yeah. the um, ethical hacking. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fired up about that. I mean, you're yeah. going to see things. And, and we had, and we'll just say, we had a breach. We couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Somebody had gotten into our Office 365 suite. Uh, they were spoofing uh, one of our one of our users with an outside customer, and it was just like the our thing was we needed to dig in and, and find out how they did it, where they where it came from, um, and then dig into the data. What data did they touch? Because from an organizational standpoint, yeah, you want to. There's a hole in the dam. You need to block the dam. Now you need to go to the other side of the dam and find out where the hole came from. Um, and so it's if you look at those kind of a mindsets and, and go after it. So yeah. um, Larry, there's a guy too, um, after a, a few conversations, I'll probably try to get you introduced to him. A guy named Chad uh, Henderson. Uh, one, he's a huge, huge Raiders fan himself. He's got a dog named Oakland. So good, good with that. Um, but he is, he's uh, in, in, here, in Orange County here. He has his own firm and I've used him for years and years doing pen tests and, and compromise assessments and, dual degree i think in biology and chemistry but best security guy outside of joe that i've ever known and uh he might he might be in a position to like hey i got some grunt work you know you know you're gonna help us with some grunt work Every, everybody just needs a oh, shot right exactly yeah i would oh man i would love that just yeah oh man so i don't i don't think you knew this but uh i'm ex-navy as well so Oh, thank you for your service, Bob. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my my dad is my dad is also uh, ex Navy. Um, I've got his. Uh, he was on the. Uh, I've got his stuff right here. Show yeah. you some of this. I've got my my dad's flag up on the on the wall here. He's a. Uh... Yeah, so he was on the. Uh, the Truxton. Truxton. Okay. And. The Norton Sound. Okay. Oh wow. Yep. Vietnam he was like a um, a uh, tech uh, what do they call it the fire control technician so he would repair the the big guns and uh, he he taught me everything I know about troubleshooting because he said sometimes he'd go on a ship and he'd never work on a particular weapon system before and he had to figure it out basically through trial and error troubleshooting you know, and he was able to get these like layers of accommodation to get these guns back up and running and stuff. And, and he just, you know, he, he wrote a nice technical paper on troubleshooting that that is I use in, in, in IT almost every day. Um, Very good. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, you know, Bob, I, I know um, 
I think for our listeners, you know, uh, that listen to this podcast, we've got a variety of, of uh, audience members. Many of them are in existing roles and existing companies and stuff. And so they're, they're actually looking for senior in, InfoSec leaders, which are hard to find, right? And so um, could you tell us a little bit about, you know, right now your career search? What, what are you looking for, Bob? You're, you're currently open and looking. Uh, what's the ideal role for you and that you're looking for? Uh, my ideal role, I think, would be um, one employed. We'll leave it at that. Um, we all know that it's like like if you're in the NFL, you want to play. It's like, it's like I want to be in the game. Anyway, let me. You can edit that out. We'll start over. My ideal role would be in a, a leadership position with a firm that has maybe an established team, maybe not. Um, I've I've been very successful in the past of going in and saying or seeing a team or seeing an organization that they're getting ready to, to step off the pier and we need to build a security organization. The network team, the infrastructure team have done well so far, but it's time to, to jump in and have our, our first security leader. Um, I've had uh, interviews with companies before, um, some that we know very well and they'll remain nameless right now. Uh, I'll, I'll say it off the recording, um, who asked me, don't you wanna be a CISO again? No, I wanna be a leader again. If, if the CISO title is there, fine, but that's not important. Um, I want to be able to make a difference somewhere. So big organizations, small, uh, I've worked in them all. Uh, the last uh, adventure I had, I was the only person in security, so I had to do everything. Um, that was exciting. It was good to remember my roots, but being a leader of an organization, I think I have more success with uh, being able to build a team. Um, pull the resources together, either hiring the people or hiring the right services to do that work. And, and what, as, as you look back on your career, what are you most, what, what accomplishment are you most proud of um, in your career? Most proud of, I think, is I went into an organization that uh, they had gone through a, a pretty good shakeup in IT. Uh, I got hired in there as the senior director for security they told me right away that security had been split into two groups. The, the um, compliance and policy side had been moved over to legal in HR, uh, and the rest was left in IT. I was running the IT shop. I went in, and there was two engineers that were currently on staff. The first week I was there, one of them quit, uh, not because of me. He had already been working on it. Uh, so I had to rebuild the team from one person back up to the 12 that we had, um, you know, approved. So I had to rebuild the team. And so for the first six months, it was a lot of interviewing, a lot of uh, that process, part of my day. But the other part of my day was keeping the lights on. You know, it was me and an engineer. We had to do everything. And so when I'd hire people, I'd let them know. It's like, there's no, no time here to get your feet wet. You got to jump in. And so I think building that up to a point where we had uh, a new SIM deployed, we had a new endpoint protection deployed, we had a good process for policy and standards set up for the IT side. Uh, we were just getting ready to, to launch into our, our E5 side of the Microsoft suite. Um, and so, and we accomplished all that in about a year and a half. That's incredible. Uh, up to 12 people. I got very fortunate with some of the hires I had. They're still there uh, where they, they knew me and they wanted to come work for me and they're grateful for that. Um, that's also the place where we had a, 
a couple of really good interns that ended up getting hired full time, which, you know, they thought they, you know, just won the lottery coming out of college to get their first job as a, as a security analyst making, you know, you know north of 60k right out of college. Um, so that was probably my, my greatest success. Um, and, and I would say also some part of my, my, my worst, I don't, I don't want to say failures, but moving that organization to the next level, um, the company took a different direction. So I didn't get to see it go to full fruition. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, those are our greatest learning experience, right? I, I had a, I made a mistake in my IT career when I was being interviewed and, and the um, CEO wanted me to talk about my failures. And I didn't want to admit my failures in, the, in an interview because I figured that would disqualify me. And he basically said, if you can't admit your failures to me, I'm not going to hire you because I need to learn uh, what, what mistakes you've learned from. I hire people based on their, uh, what they've learned from because then I know they won't repeat them here because they've learned from those things. And it was eye-opening to me that he wanted to kind of dig into that, right? So some, sometimes we, we learn from things like that. But uh, as we kind of close and wrap up, Larry, do you have any additional uh, questions for Bob? Anything you're kind of burning to ask here? No, um, yep. Bob, it was just so exciting to, to meet you and hear your story and all that. And Thank you. Wow. I mean, somebody that's been in um, cybersecurity for over 20 years and, and but just been in a, the, the whole business for a long time, kind of envious because that that's i mean that's that's where that's where my passion's at right now so but uh i'm very very excited about uh learning more as much as i can yeah and and, and my offer too larry is out there um and joe knows this how i am and who i am i've developed a lot of great relationships with with vendors with with uh, uh people that i've they've done service with me before um but we've become friends and uh, and I, I'm, you're in that circle now as well. So if you have any questions or you want to talk or it's like, hey, I just, you've got my email and we'll, we'll hook up on LinkedIn. Um, if you have a question or, hey, I want to try this or look at this, you know, I can give you my, my, my best. And, and Joe, your, your thing about um, talking about your failures, another thing too that I run into, and this is part of a, a, the bigger career path, don't get involved in, or don't get stuck on what industry you're in. Cause I've been in automotive, I've been in healthcare, I've been in life sciences, I've been in uh, mutual fund management companies, I've been in financial services. And in the security world, uh, data is data. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's healthcare data or customer data or PCI data or, or credit card data, it's still data. The ones and zeros didn't change. <laughs> the, the, the type of hacking that is done might might involve more because there's more more tasty nuggets at the end that a hacker wants to go get but the data is the data and that doesn't that hasn't changed and so if you learn ethical hacking if you learn security from a forensic standpoint or even just a management view um, the standards are the same if you look at iso and nist and, and the bigger standards all the little substandards out behind them, whether it be PCI or whatever the latest is going to be coming out of whatever, you know, swing that the administration has, they're all born out of the ISO standard. If you, if you boil them back down to it, they're all, they all come from there. So as Joe said, I'm very, very new to uh, cybersecurity. So okay. actually I'm studying right now at uh, my computer career. So I studied the, the, the first, you know, just the, the basic CompTIA, just the, 
the hardware part of it. Then we, we went to MTA security. And then now we just finished, I think it was uh, CompTIA 2000, CompTIA okay. 8000. So then now, yeah, so we're going to start Linux on Monday. Uh, I'm very, very, I'm very, very green to cybersecurity. I do understand a lot of the, uh, well, I'm understanding more of the uh, terminology and stuff like that. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a, a fun adventure. I think uh, throughout my career, taking a path of security as a professional can go down many roads. And at some point, you have to tell yourself, "Do I stay on the technical road and go down Linux and and network and and be in that that layer?" If you look at the ISO layers of of, of an organization or of a technology, or you go into leadership or risk or management or, or try to keep your feet in all of them. That's where it gets to be a pretty interesting dance. Joe is going to be a great mentor for you. And, and I, I'd like to join that list as well. If you ever have any questions or just want to, Hey, what am I doing here? What, what's your thoughts on this? You've got my information. Call me. You know how awesome that is. That's, that's like gold in the, Thank you so much, Bob, for, for spending your Saturday morning with us. Just coming back to the community. Thank you so much, Bob.